think that that is really dangerous because when you tell somebody that this is a safe space for them and then for me I actually believed it when they said that and then I started being more of my authentic self and that is when things started going downhill for me and so it can be quite dangerous to be your authentic self in a space that is not really allowing that Welcome to Working Your Way, the podcast dedicated to unraveling the journey of being authentic in the workplace. I'm your host, Sunday Sadakar, and today we're going to do something a little different. We aren't focusing solely on one guest story for this episode. This is a special episode, and it's all about quitting your job. Are there days that you dread going to work and you kind of consider, like, should I quit my job? Or maybe you enjoy what you do, but... A lot of the time you're feeling overworked and overwhelmed and you kind of wonder, would things be different at another company? As you probably know by now, if you know me, nothing is black and white or an absolute yes or no. With me, there's always something to be explored and discussed and that's exactly what we're gonna do here. We're gonna talk about how can you determine if a job or a work environment is just flat out wrong for you or If there are things you can change about how you approach work or maybe things you can ask of your manager or your team that might make it much better. Outside of this podcast, you know, in my day job, I do a lot of coaching both with individuals and with teams. And when it's one-on-one, I often work with clients who are feeling burned out or frustrated or stuck or they just simply feel like they've lost themselves and they want to get back to feeling in control of their career and their day-to-day. And we almost always broach this topic of quitting their jobs somewhere in this process. And we talk about what would they even do if they want to quit or what patterns or habits led them to feeling burned out that we could start to work on and change now so that when they do get into that dream job, they aren't recreating the same issues. Of course, this topic is really nuanced. So I wanted to bring on a friend and a fellow entrepreneur to talk it out with me. Sybil Patry is the founder of In Pursuit Collective, where she's a coach, a consultant, a speaker, and a change maker. And she's going to join me for this conversation. You'll hear more about her background later in the episode. But I felt like she was the perfect person to have this conversation with because not only does she help people navigate this territory in their career, also, she's lived it. And we both get into our own experiences of quitting without having another job lined up and why it was right for us at the time. So whether you're simply unhappy and unfulfilled at work or completely overwhelmed and on the verge of burnout, or maybe you're suffering through a toxic environment and possibly experiencing discrimination, no matter where you are, there's something in this episode for you. Welcome to Working Your Way, Sybil. I am really excited to have you here. And this episode is going to be a little bit different than our typical ones because you are also a coach and you are working a lot with women, women of color, people of color to help them really figure out how to navigate their careers and their workplaces. So I'd love to hear from you. Um, You have semi-recently started in Pursuit Collective. What is it and how did you get here? 
Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, Sandhya. I think this is going to be a really good discussion. Uh, I just started my company in Pursuit Collective and it's, it's more than a company to me because it's my core values, uh, presented in company form. So we all talk about core values and getting in alignment and how you feel like when you're not in alignment. So I just thought, well, why don't I create something that I really believe in? And even more than that, something that of a society that I want, like I'm going to create this company and dream up a society that's fair and just and equitable um, through that. Yeah. Just one of the things that you coach people on, um, especially people of color, especially women of color is okay, if you are in a really difficult workplace, what do you do? Do you leave? Do you stay? If you stay, how do you navigate that situation in a way that's going to minimize the harm to you? And so I want to get into all of these topics. But as we think about, you know, both being coaches and helping people make work work better for them, Mm -hmm. what are the types of environments? How can someone assess where they are if they're, if they're unhappy in their job and they're thinking about quitting? Um, and so I want to kind of get into that. And is there anything else in terms of like how you, as you're, as you're building your practice out, um, what are the things you really love to coach people on? I really believe that sometimes our purpose is hidden or we're distracted and, you know, my tagline for my company is liberate your purpose. And I think it would be so beautiful if people could actually do that. Cause sometimes our purpose is chained up because of, you know, whatever our situation is, whether it's monetary or health or whatever. And so, yeah, I would say that's the core of what I want to help people with. And then once you can do that, you know, we can work on anything from there. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful. And I think that can come from this whole range of, uh, kind of current situations that we're going to talk through today, whether you're in a toxic environment right now, or whether you're just like, I don't love work, you know, that, that liberation of purpose, that clarity that can come through working with someone or self-exploration is kind of that first place to really focus. So, and it's one of the hardest, right? I mean, this idea mm -hmm. of like, what's your life purpose is like so big. And yes. <laughs> so it feels so huge to try to figure out that it's like, okay, how do we get like one little step closer to that with, with intentionality? Yeah. So we talked a little bit about, you know, as we think about the types of environments that people are in, if you want to quit your job, um, we want to give kind of a framework of, okay, let's look at like the different types of environments and um, how do you assess? And so it's important to think about this idea of having a spectrum of, okay, is your, is your workplace negatively impacting your well-being? That can range from... I'm just exhausted when I come from, from work all the way to the way that this workplace is operating is like causing me harm and, and potential trauma um, in the meantime. And so I've kind of thinking about these three buckets, thinking about it as like your environment is misaligned, like there's something that's off, your environment is depleting you, 
or your environment is toxic. And so let's talk through each one of those around what would that look like? How do you know? Um, and then we can talk about what we would do in each one of those situations. But I think starting with like, okay, is there a culture fit issue? If, if it's a misaligned environment, do you feel like the culture is really raw, raw, and you're really kind of like a mellow person, and then that requires you to be someone you're not, or the company's working on XYZ products and you don't really care about those products. Like, I feel like this misalignment is, it can lead to burnout, but it's a lighter, this just isn't right for me. What do you think about that? I think that especially earlier on in my career, that was not something that was on my radar. And I think now people that are kind of coming up into the workforce now really want more alignment. They want something more mission driven and more impactful. Um, but I think it's, it's also, it's good to, you know, ask yourself what your objective is for working. Why are you working? Uh, do you feel like it is your life's purpose or are you working as a way to make ends meet? And how much of that misalignment can you handle? And everybody is so different and unique in that respect, right? So if it's, yeah, the culture is a bit more peppy and you're more of an introvert, can you handle it? Or are there ways, you know, you can work around it. Is there a way to be hybrid or fully remote so you don't have to be, you know, present with everybody? Um, so if it's just these small tweaks, um, I think that that's something that most people can do. Uh, if it's, if it's a really big values misalignment, like you're selling a product you don't believe in, like tobacco or something, and you, you know, you don't believe in, um, tobacco because it causes cancer. Um, I think there's probably less room there. And so you might want to start thinking about where, what you would transition to. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's one of the ways that I think I would assess the situation. It would be on an individual basis. Is this aligned with my values? Is this a good culture fit for me? Do I see myself here long term? And, you know, you, you have no matter what you do, you have to do the work. And a lot of people don't want to, but you have to do some work on this. You have to get out, you know, a piece of paper, you have to reflect. <laughs> And that's the intentionality um, behind doing all of this. But I think it's um, it's it's totally worth it because you spend a lot of your time working. I love what you said about, I mean, first think about like, is work for purpose or is it for a paycheck, right? And that's something that I think is intrinsic in this conversation of authenticity and the things that I talk about on the podcast as a whole is how much do you want to bring yourself into your work? How aligned do you need it to be? Um, because to your point, I think some level of misalignment is probably a given in any workplace. Um, and it's also probably quite tolerable if it's, if it's a smaller thing, if it's a style thing, or if it's, um, you know, it's not a major values conflict. And so I think that's a great segue into this next bucket of like, what I would consider a depleting work environment. And something that when you show up every day at work, you're constantly, whether it's feeling like um, on the defense or like these things that really grate at you that over time are draining your energy, it's like having this really leaky bucket. And 
I think values can fit either in this misalignment bucket or it can fit in this depleting bucket. Like if you fundamentally don't believe in the product, right? Or like the product is causing harm in the world and you recognize that, like how much of that does that eat away at your soul over time? Or one example that I can think of is like, if a core value of yours is integrity and you know the way the company operates is not in alignment with that, if you know that they're like brushing things under the rug or treating mistreating people or things like that, to me, that feels like bigger than misalignment, a tolerable misalignment. It's like the types of things that I often talk about energy is like, do we have a leak in our bucket? And like, mm-hmm. are enough good things going in it to keep it semi-full with those big swings, it feels like you're draining yourself every day. And that's the path to burnout. That's the path to like, my bucket's empty and I don't even know how to start filling it back up. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, and the leaky bucket is a, it's a good visual of kind of how to describe those situations. And I think one concrete example of that that I can think of right off the bat is code switching. And so the people that go to work and they present a certain way, um, and it goes back to authenticity and, you know, the things that you talk about, which is like why I was really looking forward to this conversation with you. Um, you want to be able to be yourself at work. And yeah, there is a spectrum of like bringing your whole self, but how much of that um, spectrum, you know, do you get to bring in? Because if it's less and less and you're code switching more and more, that is definitely going to deplete you. And, you know, I know for 20 years I showed up and I was not my authentic self. I was trying to fit into these white male dominated spaces. And so I was just a shell of myself. And at first I didn't even think it was depleting. I kind of got some dopamine hit out of it. Like, oh, I'm going, I'm I'm acting and it's working and I'm getting validation and all of that stuff. But, you know, 20 years later, I'm like, this is actually like quite exhausting. And, you know, when you get that, this is a little off topic, but when you get that glimmer of hope where people all of a sudden are like, yeah, we want you to bring your authentic self and we care about DE&I. And, you know, I think that that is really dangerous because when you tell somebody that this is a safe space for them, and then for me, I actually believed it when they said that. And then I started being more of my authentic self. And that is when things started going downhill for me. And so... It, it can be quite dangerous to be your authentic self in a space that is not really um, allowing that. To your point, you get this glimmer of hope and then it's like it's rejected um, or maybe you're even penalized for yeah. doing it. You know, we know that so many people are really trying to get out of the workforce. And I think that this has a lot to do with it. The past few years, we've seen a lot, the rise and fall of DEI in in corporate spaces, and so there were a lot of promises. There was a lot of hope. Um, there was money going into programming, and uh, 
people are learning right now that so much of it was performative and it's so hurtful. It's, it's beyond, um, you know, it's traumatic for lots of folks. And with COVID people thought like, okay, things are finally going to change. You know, we're going to work differently. We are going to care about the whole person and it, things didn't change. I think they changed for a little bit. So it was this combination of DEI and COVID that gave so many people some hope that things, you know, the workforce is shifting and now, um, you know, things are kind of just going back to the way they were, or maybe even worse because there's, there's a lot of backlash on DEI now. It's a great segue. I want to talk about, okay, this third bucket of Mm -hmm. toxic work environments, but first as I'm kind of reflecting on my own, I've quit a company twice. Um, I left a company two other times that they were through acquisitions. And then the companies that I ended up at through those acquisitions ended up not being um, not being good for me. And those were the two times that I quit. So when it was when I didn't make a choice to join a company, I ended up joining the company anyway. And I would say the first time felt more like that first bucket of like, this just isn't, it's misaligned. It's not a good fit. I don't really care about the, the, the way we're doing business. Um, it's not meaningful to me. I did not like the company culture. It was like so internally focused and we were selling products to, you know, to retailers and eventually humans. Um, and I thought it was more important to be focused on that versus like, internal processes and bureaucracy and all those things. And so for me, that was, it was definitely misaligned. Um, And then the time that I quit right before I went on a sabbatical and and eventually started my business felt much more like that middle bucket of like, this is depleting me. Like I wake up every morning and I dread opening up my computer. Um, And if I think about my core values of being like growth um, learning and growing and evolving and connection, um, you know, nurturing really meaningful relationships. I didn't have either one of those at that job. Mm-hmm. I was not growing. Um, in fact, I felt like the leadership was setting back all of the work that I had done previous to the acquisition. And so I was like, it felt so transactional, the work that I was doing. And then I didn't have a, I had no connection to the leadership. I didn't have really a lot of connection to my coworkers because I was a little bit of an outsider. I'd come in from a different industry. And so every day felt really draining. And I had some real moral and ethics issues with the leadership. So it was like, it, it, it it was truly draining my bucket every day. And I think getting into this kind of like emotionally, gray situation for me. I had less desire to go do fun things, to fill my mm-hmm. bucket outside of work. It it like when it starts seeping into that other part, like your your actual life, I feel like that's where you have this kind of like irreversible train is headed toward burnout. Like you got to do something about it kind of moment. Yeah, that must have been really tough. It was, it was, well, I mean, thank you. It was tough. And it was like the thing that it was like the thing that I needed, right. I needed Mm -hmm. to recognize that like I had been like 
ignoring my own emotions and desires and all of those things, right? For such a long time. And it, it's almost like, I don't wish a rock bottom moment on anyone. And I certainly think that this rock bottom was like much less harmful to me than many can be. Um, but it was the, it was the tipping point of like, I can't do this anymore. I like, I don't even recognize myself anymore. Yeah. And not catching on to that depletion was I think the thing where I was like, I can't even look for another job. I'm out of here. Like I'm just, you know, yeah. I literally ran away to Bali. And like, that was kind of the, you know, had I caught it earlier, would I have looked for another job? Would I've cut it off in different ways or try to make, you know, a situation better? I don't know. But um, so, yeah, I feel That's like I story to these first two buckets. Exactly. It's my story. It's what led me here. And yeah, I wouldn't change anything about it, right? It's uh, it's the way that it it happened, and it led me to what I'm doing now. So, so as we talk about <laughs> this third bucket of what I would call a toxic environment, I think the way that you know we were defining this is really like, is this place causing you harm? Is it if you stay? Is it causing you potential like trauma in the future? Like, what is the implication? We think about the implication of uh, or the impact on your well-being of each of these. It's like neutral to, you know, neutral to slightly bad with a misalignment, um, long-term bad with a burnout kind of depletion situation, and like long-lasting impact harm with a toxic environment. Would you agree? What do you think about it? Yeah, I think that it's for sure it's a continuum like that. I, I think one thing that I would add is sometimes that first bucket can turn into the second and then the third, if you're at one company for a long time, or maybe even a short amount of time. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say, you know, if, if the environment is toxic, the red flags are in your face every day. Um, you know, and, and the situation, like, I feel like, you know, you would have to have more urgency to work through it if you're in a toxic environment. So work through it there or, you know, figure out how to leave to protect yourself. Yeah. And I know, you know, you have your own lived experience, but also exposure to a lot of people's stories. Like what are, what are some ways that people can recognize that like this place is harmful or this is going to cause a long lasting impact? Yeah. You know, there are some of the obvious things like, um, ethical or, you know, regulatory violations and things like that. So if you're ever in a position where you have to do something that's unethical or, you know, against the law and you're trying to cover something like that up, you should get out as fast as you can. Um, I think there's so much gray area, even in this bucket. And I think that's, the part of racial and gender discrimination, because a lot of people will say, oh, those things don't exist anymore because, you know, 50 years ago, um, you know, there'd be much more explicit sexual harassment and racial harassment and things like that. But what we're seeing today 
are microaggressions. And I hate that term because there's nothing micro about it. They really have such a traumatic effect on people. Uh, and they leave you with a sense of what just happened. Was that racism? Was that, you know, discrimination? Am I imagining this? And so it's almost in a way more harmful because you have to, you have to like unpack it and figure it out sort of on your own. It's not like an in your face slap. Mm. It's, and you know, it's very insidious and that kind of harm is really harmful and it can take a while to uncover. And I've experienced that in more than one workplace. And sometimes I didn't even realize until after I left and I looked back on it. Um, But in my most recent uh, company that I just left, you know, that was happening for so long in so many different ways, whether it was um, white men taking credit for the things that I did and I worked on and they're getting promoted for it, or if it's um, being left out of discussions on projects that I was actually leading, but I wasn't actually in the room for the decision-making. And so it's that feeling of, I don't actually have visibility. I'm invisible here. I'm dehumanized here. Um, And then, you know, one of the biggest red flags to watch out for is when you bring it up as a concern and you're dismissed. And they're like, what are you talking about? Oh, you're not, you're imagining it or that wasn't the intention. And then when you realize, you know, HR is there to protect the company and you have nowhere to go, um, you know, you really need to start thinking about your exit plan, whether you want to file something and record something and, you know, have the receipts for it, or, and this is perfectly fine too, or if you just want to leave, go somewhere else or figure out something else to do besides being there. So you heard us just briefly touch on Sybil's experience in a toxic workplace. We often hear these entrepreneur origin stories where someone was pushed to the edge and they turned their pain into purpose. And I think there's both something really beautiful and also deeply upsetting about this. This really shouldn't have to happen, and yet it does. So, of course, we had to dive into the full story of what it was like for her to leave her job and how it led to what she's doing today. Talk to me about your experience of of leaving. Yeah, um, I was at my last company for eight years. And prior to that, I had a pretty good track record of leaving after a couple of years. And going back, I think the reason why is when I would hit up a conflict, I would want to leave, you know, fight or flight. And so that ended me up in a variety of different places. When I got to my last company eight years ago, I said, I am going to figure this out. I'm going to stay and I'm going to figure out, going to, you know, deal with my problems. And I did that and I was really proud of myself. And so I stood up to toxic people. I was very direct um, in talking to people uh, that may have been either troublesome or taking credit for my work and all of these behaviors that you see happening in, in corporate spaces. And, um, 
in 2019, actually, I dealt with a very, very toxic, uh, coworker. And, you know, I was, I was feeling really upset emotionally, mentally, and everything. And at that point, I thought about leaving, but I, I fought again and I stayed and I, you know, put in an HR complaint and went through that. And then, uh, in the following year, something really kind of amazing happened. I got promoted. Um, to VP of corporate strategy. I got a brand new, bright, shiny new role. Um, and I got my company's highest award that they give out for leadership. And this is all during the, you know, pandemic. And so it was a virtual ceremony. It was this big thing. And then that year, I also landed on the cover of my company's annual report with my son. And so these big things happened in 2020 for me um, that really distracted me from a lot of the other things that were actually happening to me. Um, and, and honestly, like the past three years have felt like a gaslight because people would come to me and say, wow, you're a star. How did you get to where you are? Like, you're amazing. Everybody loves you. I was doing, um, you know, lots of presenting and traveling and I was getting on stages. Uh, even last year, I was um, the media spokesperson for my company and I was doing TV interviews and radio. And, um, you know, I was really a great token for the company um, because a lot of things were happening in the background. And it's interesting because, you know, I'm going through these things like, is this really happening to me or am I making it up? If I just told you all the bad stuff, you would say, oh my gosh, and you stayed, but then you pile it with all of the good stuff and all of the promoting and the money and, and, you know, it, it gets really confusing. And so, Last year, I was determined to stay, Zandia. Like I was begging to stay because I loved the security, um, the stability, the structure of corporate. For somebody like me, it was such a strong coping mechanism for 20 years. Uh, it gave me validation. It gave me all of these things that I didn't have kind of growing up. So it was like my therapy. And I was so afraid because deep in my heart, one, I knew that I didn't belong there. Two, I didn't know what that meant. Like, where do I go? What do I do? And I know we're going to talk about that because I know a lot of people are feeling that right now. Uh, I didn't like, who am I without this corporate job and this corporate title and this corporate paycheck? I knew in my heart that if I left my last firm, I'm leaving the industry as I know it, like maybe I'll stay adjacent to it and I'll, I'll still be in it, but not in the same way where I will work for anyone else. And, uh, it took a really, really long time, uh, for me to realize that for me to accept it, there was, there was a grieving process. Um, but finally I, I did leave, you know, just three months ago, but I left with a fight. You know, I, I filed a racial discrimination complaint and things were not pretty. 
this year was really bad. It took a toll on me and my whole entire family. Uh, but I knew that whatever I filed and whatever I talked about, like pretty publicly on LinkedIn, it's not just about me. I'm doing this for, you know, anyone that's facing discrimination, anyone that's part of a system that doesn't recognize them, that treats them as, you know, basically dehumanizes people. And I, I think I was afraid of the power I had in me to be that person that speaks out. And I was afraid of what that life looks like. And, um, when I finally gathered the courage to leave, I did. And now I am so, you know, I, I, I do get afraid sometimes, but I'm leaning into using my voice because I know that it's going to make a difference. Yeah. And the way that I found my way to you was through you sharing your story on LinkedIn. And I think, you know, there was, there was one moment, I think I might've sent you a message. And I'm like, there's a lot in your story that I relate to. And and I'm I'm curious, <clears throat> and I think you've credited this along your journey of like that extra little boost that you needed to to make that really tough decision came through a lot of love and support coming your way around, oh my gosh, you're speaking into my soul and I've experienced similar things and like almost being able to to take kind of the power from all that love to be an advocate for folks. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I don't know what I would have done without that outpouring of support. And I'm so glad that I shared publicly. There are so many people that are going through it uh, that can't share publicly or, you know, are afraid uh, and, and they felt seen and heard. And it was just um, a beautiful community and what it also created was what I needed to know what I'm going to do next. Uh, because really, like, those are some really rich data points of what is actually happening to people. And you're connecting data points with humans. And once you have that information, once it's happened to you and you see how much it's happening to other people, um, it, it creates so much power and energy. And I know that... Um, that is so much of what drove me to create in pursuit. Yeah. And the other thing that I think is so profound about your story is how you're talking about like all of these accolades, right. And the, and the praise and the validation and the, you know, investment that the company was making in you and, and giving you these leadership roles and awards is like on one hand feeling so seen and, and it's like the the external validation, right? Versus like, do do they actually see me at the same time feeling unseen and dehumanized and ununderstood? And that's not a word, but you know what I mean. Um, it's like the this like wild juxtaposition of you're showering me with praise, but in the meantime, you're abusing me behind the scenes. It's wild. It's it's so wild. It's toxic. It's harmful. Um, you know, I ended up with so much anxiety. I had depression and it was all due to the, this emotional roller coaster. It's almost like 
you know, being in a toxic relationship with like a narcissist or something where they feed you compliments and all of this stuff. And then they're yeah. just taking from you and hurting you. I mean, I've had conversations uh, last year, my mid-year review with my boss and I don't cry. He had me in tears with, with, you know, the way he was speaking to me about my performance and about how, you know, I don't really think you have a full-time role. Like you're not at capacity. You're not doing your projects with enough passion. And I'm like, like, who are you talking to? It, it was, it was really hard because I was put on such a pedestal and I was given like the best performance ratings. And then I get into this role working for this new manager and he, I, I still don't even know what his style, like why he did that to me other than, you know, now that I can look back in retrospect, they were trying to push me out and they didn't, in, in, in my opinion, and they didn't um, want to fire me because how bad would that look? You're on the cover of their annual report and you're getting all these awards. I was their, you know, shining token um, person. And so for them, it, the story would look so much better if I just resigned and found a new opportunity. And I think that's kind of what they were hoping I would do through these tactics, like, you know, the, the torture of, of somebody like me who feels like such a perfectionist in my old life to be sitting there and being told that I'm doing, um, a mediocre job. And, but there was no, data to reflect that. And, and, you know, he would name somebody that said something. And then I would, I was, go, I was going so crazy that the next day I would call that person and say, Hey, you know, I would ask for the feedback live because I didn't trust him. And I just got really paranoid and it was so unhealthy. You know, um, I can't believe I did it for so long and I stayed for so long. Looking back on all of it, is there anything you would change about your approach? No, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in taking the good and the bad of life experiences. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to say everything happens for a reason, but I do think that that is what I decided with the information that I felt like I had at the time with where my headspace was at the time. Yeah. You know, like with the wisdom that you get as you get older and you have more experiences under your belt, uh, you know, you could potentially be like, I would go back and change things, but I wouldn't. And I would actually go even further and say that as I was going through it, and even now I feel like everything that I went through as I was going through the toughest moments with my attorney and with, um, you know, fighting for my rights. Like this is my training for something. I don't know what it's training for, but I am training for whatever I'm supposed to do next. And I felt it so much in my heart, you know, like um, that this was a calling and I was never one to say, you know, words like that. And now um, the force that I felt during this whole time was like indescribable. Like this is my calling, whatever I'm going through right now, I'm supposed to go through it. Maybe so somebody else doesn't have to go through it. 
you know, maybe I can, instead of saying, I wish I could have done something differently, I can now help other people, other um, folks of color, other groups that are underrepresented and marginalized, and I can help them through this situation, knowing, you know, what I know now. Yeah, I I love that. Because I, I think the idea of like everything happens for a reason, I've kind of always rejected that idea a little bit too, because yeah. it's like, oh, I have no agency in, in yeah. my life in the process, right? But the fact that we can take learning and growth and uh, wisdom away from every little piece along that journey, it happened the way it happened and we do the best we can when we're in those moments and they all amount to our current direction, our current way of being, our current kind of vision. Yeah, for sure. As we've been talking through these kind of like different buckets, it's like, okay, what is the spectrum of um, negative impact to your well-being that this job is? And assessing, okay, where are you, right? And I think that can kind of help people understand um, how much urgency should I place around trying to leave this environment? Um, and I and I want to talk about, you know, there's I think there's there's managers that play a big role in this. There's the company, the team, like there's kind of all these levels. There's industries to say like, how much is this a, a an individual person problem where I could stay in this company and move teams or change managers or change divisions and, and solve for the problem versus this is a this is how the industry is designed and like I'm going to fundamentally have these same values problems as an example no matter where I go and so kind of like thinking about what is the root of the problem is it an individual is it a team is it a system is it a coworker and then I want to talk about weighing the other factors of like how should I decide um if I'm going to quit my job or what are some other things that I can do? And so I'm curious, can you speak to like, what are some of the factors that somebody should weigh out if they're like, this is too much of a negative impact on me, I have to quit? How do we think about that? Yeah, and let's talk through that together too, because I think we can both come up with some good, useful ideas for people. You know, not everybody has the benefit of working with a coach, but if they do, that is something that a coach can help you through. Um, but I would say if you, if you can figure out, you know, do the values exercise, what are your values? Um, you'll also kind of figure out what your deal breakers might be. And so if you can assess, okay, like this is the situation. These are the things that I can live with, but this is my deal breaker. They want me to come into the office five days a week and I can't do that for this. Like that's a deal breaker, right? Um, and so doing that exercise again requires doing the work of sitting down, figuring out, you know, what you value, what you need, you know, is this providing income for you and a family? Do you have a rainy day fund? Um, what your deal breakers are assessing your health. I mean, some people don't realize that they're burning out. Some people don't realize that work burnout can turn into real life physical health problems. 
And so it's always better to try to uh, work on that before you end up in a hospital or in a crisis situation. And so, you know, you have to really look at yourself and make sure you're taking care of yourself and your well-being. Um, therapy can be amazing for that too. And so if you are, you know, leading to burnout or you're feeling anxiety and, you know, different feelings, you have to really say like, is this worth my health and well-being? Um, what is this? What does that mean? Because then you can say, I need that paycheck, but what good is that paycheck if you end up burning out and unable to work? Um, so it's, it, it requires being a little, you know, proactive to do that work, uh, but it's worth it. I think the the impact to your health, the impact to your relationships, like um, I just actually was catching up with an old coworker and she was talking about this analogy that she had heard um, that I actually had not heard until until we were just chatting like this week. And it's um, what are your glass balls? What are your wooden balls? And what are your rubber balls? Like if you drop a ball, is it is it going to shatter? Um and, and if it's a wooden ball, it'll drop and maybe it'll get a little chip in it. And if it's a rubber ball and you drop it and it'll, it'll bounce. And so health, your health and well-being, your mental well-being, your emotional well-being, your physical well-being is a glass ball. And I think not a lot of people recognize that or slow down enough to consider not just physical health, like burnout is not just putting yourself in the hospital for adrenal fatigue. It's mentally burning yourself out or emotionally burning yourself out. And so I think expanding the definition of like, what is the negative impact to your well-being? And like, we have one body and one life and, you know, and like really thinking about that. And then the relationships in our lives of like, if you drop the ball with, with somebody that you really care about, what is the impact to, to, to that? And is it reparable? And when you're in a situation where it's draining you, I, I think it's highly unlikely that it will get better. I think it's maybe a little less unlikely that it will stay the same, but I think it's more likely that it's going to get worse because as we give and we give and we give, or we show up to a job that like feels like it's taking a lot more than it's giving back to us over time, that's going to have an impact. And so this idea of like, Oh, you know, this thing is going to happen next year and everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe sometimes that's the case. But I think if you're, if you've got those fundamental drains that you're showing up to every day, how much of that really is going to change, right? And like over time, it's going to get worse and worse. And so considering that best case scenario might be that it stays neutral and more likely it's going to get worse. And so addressing it sooner as opposed to later. Yes. Yes. And see, like if I had you as a coach, when I was going through this time, what you just said would have been so helpful because I did that exact thing. I said, Oh, but I have this project coming up and I have this and I'm looking forward to this, this thing. And I was willing to let go of the day to day, 
you know, that I was feeling in the toxic environment because I was trying to look forward and look ahead and say, oh, I need to stay for the next bonus cycle. It's just a few more months. Um, and that is a dangerous game to play with your well-being. Um, and that is also why I became a coach because I want to be the person that I needed. And people do need help in navigating these things. Um, and one of the other things that I wanted to come back to is that lots of times people, especially when they're earlier in their career, but even mid and uh, more senior people, they feel like they have no control uh, over their circumstance. Like, well, I can't leave this job or I can't leave this industry. What would I do? And there are all of these limiting beliefs that are holding all of us back. They were holding me back for such a long time because I'm like, what would I be without my finance career? It's all I know. And, you know, I, I built my career, my reputation, my salary, all of this stuff. And I had such a hard time letting that go because I did have limiting beliefs of what work can look like. Um, and when you open your mind, it really frees you and it really liberates you, whether it's, oh, I didn't realize that I can start my own company and just consult with these financial services firms, but I don't have to be a part of their company and that I can work on my terms as a consultant. You know, a lot of people don't even think about that. Um, they don't think about other things that they can do, um, whether they're hobbies or passion projects or side hustles. They're like, we, I have a job. I can't go do something else. Like so many people have these like rigid ideas of what working is and professionalism is. And it's like, well, have you asked your company um, if they're okay with you doing public speaking on the side? Um, or, you know, they want you to come in five days a week. Have you asked them for three or four? And a lot of people are like, no, I can't. Like, I can't ask for anything. And that's just not true. You can you can ask for anything you want. What's the worst that's going to happen? They say no. And then you go back to your list and say, okay, well, this was a deal breaker. And then you figure out what your next step is. But I, I think a lot of people need to realize that they have a lot more options than, than they think. And that, you know, that should give people some hope. If you're in this situation and you feel stuck, um, there are limitless options for you. Yes, I could not love what you just said more because I think it is, uh, and honestly, it's one of the things I work with teams on a lot is you can't ask for anything and you have to, first, you have to know what it is you want, um, what's going to make you happier, what's going to make your job more fulfilling, what maybe skill you want to practice or learn, right? If you want to... Um, be more visible and do more speaking. You love doing that. Like, okay, make it a win-win for the company, right? It, it's, it's a, Hey, I can go out and, and be this, this brand ambassador and here's what it would look like. And, and it will make me happier and more fulfilled. And so there's this way of, <clears throat> we can always ask for things and we can do it in a way that like highlights how it's going to be valuable to the company so that you can get closer faster to that. Yes understanding your needs and advocating for them can be big. Like I actually want to change functions within the company because I have a desire to move from finance to marketing or, you know, ops to, to sales or whatever it is. And they can be much more granular in, um, 
I am a am someone who takes uh, longer to process and I want to bring all the information together and I could be more innovative when you enable me to do that as a manager. And so here's what that would look like. Here's how I can actually contribute more if you are able to give me this much time to work on this project or if you're able to give me these resources up front and kind of let me go work on it, right? Like there's all these types of conversations too where I think at the, maybe possibly the hardest part is that we don't slow down enough to really ask ourselves what we want and what we need and then figure out how to go ask for it in a way that like is as equally valuable to the company as, as it is to what it would deliver for you. Yeah. And I think that goes back to, you know, doing that work. And yeah, a lot of times when we're in the hustle and the grind and it's Friday and you just want to unwind and not think about anything, you know, now all of a sudden you have some homework. Okay. What are my values? What are my deal breakers? What are the things that I can ask for? You have to do that work and figure it out for yourself and figure out, you know, what is it that you truly need and then advocating for that. And it's not at the surface. It's deep inside. Sometimes you think you want more money and then you get that raise and you're still not happy. So it was actually something else because wealth is not just monetary. Like for me, as I get older, for me, wealth is having free time. I want more free time. It took me a while. And I know that it takes work. And I keep going back to that because I know I didn't want to do the work for a long time. Like I'd rather just keep myself busy, you know, hustling and grinding and just, you know, producing than stopping and reflecting on what I need. Um, and that led to a transformative year that could have gone a lot more gently had I done the work earlier. But again, I'm okay with that. I've learned and I will use that to now preach to others. Um, but there's, there's no way around doing that homework. Yeah. It, it makes me think of, I actually just did an episode with, um, someone who was talking about their story of coming out. And once he was able to admit the truth to himself, it's like he couldn't hold it in. It, it was like he had to put it out into the world and tell people because it's like you recognize that you're living a, a lie. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I think sometimes people resist slowing down and being really honest with themselves because once they admit that they're unhappy or not fulfilled or that like something about their work situation isn't working. It's like, if they admit that to themselves, they're going to have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And that's disrupting the, the homeostasis. If you even can call it that of like their life, right. And maybe their family situations. And, and so it's, it's big. It's really, it's really heavy. Right. I think if you slow down enough to like learn yourself and admit to yourself what it is that you really want, are you going to land in this situation where it's like, oh, crap, now I have to go and make a change, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm going to internally be in chaos. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly why I resisted it for so long. Because I didn't want to go through the, the work and the transformation and figuring all of that out. But um, one of the topics that I speak on is what's hiding behind your hustle. Because a lot of people hustle and a lot of people love it. 
um, but really exploring like, okay, why are you hustling? Um, and then really understanding the reasons that you're so motivated to do that. And if they're good reasons, because your purpose and your mission, everything's aligned, then that's great. You know, the hustle is great. But if they're masking other things, it's going to come back to you eventually. So it's good to sit with it because it will, it will come back to you at some point. If you're hustling for the wrong reason to forget about something else or to cope with something else, um, it, it, it does, it does get back to you. Yeah. Uh, I love that topic. What's hiding behind your hustle. That's great. Um, so as we think about like these bigger changes too, of like what you did, what I did, um, going independent, which I will have an episode coming up on and like, what does that look like? And can I do it? You know, when you're going from corporate to kind of doing what you're doing in corporate independently, slightly different than what you and I did, which was like a pretty major pivot into something totally different. And in order to do that, we both had to quit our jobs with nothing lined up and not going to look for another job or having clients like waiting in line to do what we were doing before in our corporate jobs, which requires clearly like the big elephant on the table is like the financial piece of it is something that is, is a huge consideration. Right. I mean, um, I feel like I, I had a great deal of privilege and being able to be in the corporate world and save up enough money that I had that safety net. And beyond that, even if that ran out, it's like, okay, my family's here and they can help and things like that. So what do you, what do you think are important things to think about when it comes to quitting without another job lined up? That's a really excellent question. And that is something that I actually told myself I would never do again because I did it once before in my career. Um, back in 2009, I quit a job where, you know, we were going through a financial crisis. Uh, it was a toxic environment and I quit and I didn't have anything lined up, but it was one of those things where I was really, you know, in, in fight or flight and, you know, I had my CFA, I had credentials, I had a good resume, but I was unemployed for 18 months. And that was really, it was a really difficult time period for me. Um, I went on so many interviews. I still like joke around with my husband every time we're driving around in the city. I'm like interviewed there, interviewed there. Like I had a spreadsheet (laughs) of all the interviews and the rejections. And it really took such a huge hit on my self-confidence. And at that point, especially, I was very much like my identity was my corporate identity I was like, who am I without that um, and without the paycheck? And I was really struggling financially too. And so, you know, and that was 2009. So it was a little bit earlier in my career, but that stayed with me so much. And that actually probably contributed to the reason why I stayed at the last Mm. job as long as I did. So I'm like, I am not quitting without having something lined up, but at the same time, I'm also not taking another corporate job, you know, like, so 
I'm like, I have to start my own business. Oh my gosh, I have to start my own business. You didn't have any other options. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I didn't, it's funny, I didn't want to, even though I think like deep down inside, I have this entrepreneurial heart. I was so scared because I got so used to the safety of um, corporate. But like you, you know, I've been working for 20 years. I also am in a privileged spot where I was able to do that. Um, I actually had to make a really hard decision to walk away from a package that my company was offering me that would have helped me tremendously um, because they wanted to buy my silence. And I'm like, with everything that I'm doing um, and everything that I stand for um, and with me using my voice and my platform and LinkedIn, you want to take that away from me and you want me to take down my LinkedIn posts? respectfully decline. And I walked away from like multi six figures and it, I actually, you know, I had a lot of business expenses thinking that that's coming. And so, you know, the reality is not as sexy. Like I'm, I'm here. It's, it's not fun. Um, starting from zero, Um, but I'm doing it with full integrity and with privilege. So, you know, um, going back and I want to go back to the point of quitting your job without another one lined up. That is not something that everyone can do. So you have to really take a look at your financial situation. If it's something that's harming your mental or physical health, then yeah, like you probably have no choice, but, um, I would always recommend, trying to line something up if at all possible. And if you think like, okay, I can last in this job for another year, do whatever you need to do, get your certifications or credentials, get yourself out there, you know, post on LinkedIn, make sure you have a brand that, you know, people are, you know, either know about or can follow if that, if that's something that you want to do. Um, but there are a lot of things that you can do if you're in a situation where financially you can't just quit like that. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it unless you have that safety net for sure. I'm curious as you were going through this process yourself, what were some of the options that you explored? What should people know about? Can you take a leave of abs before you get to the point where you want to quit? Like reporting claims, what were some of the, the things that you navigated in your mind around all of that? Yeah. So, so very generally, um, some advice would be if you do experience discrimination and it's protected, like it's about race or gender, um, if it's a protected class, then I would say document everything. And if you are going to send, uh, you know, a claim or a complaint into HR, have everything documented, but know that most HR departments and most organizations are there to protect the company. So if you do go to HR with something, keep in mind that you're probably not going to get the outcome that you want, but you're just doing that to protect yourself to say, I documented this, this discrimination happened to me and, you know, show your receipts. And then 
if you want, you can proceed with an EEOC claim and that you can go to um, the EEOC website and schedule a call and they will assign an attorney for you. Um, you could hire your own. That can get really pricey. Let me tell you that it gets very pricey to hire your own attorney. Um, so it, it depends on what path you want to take. Uh, the things that I was able to do um, when I filed internally with HR, I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't work anymore. I, but so for me, I was diagnosed with depression and I got a note from my doctor and then I took short-term disability and I did that for four weeks while they were working on this claim. And then after that, because I was at my company for seven years, um, my former company used to offer a sabbatical after you've been there for seven years. And that was for a month. And that was one of the things I was looking forward to, like, oh, I need to stay until I'm eligible for a month off. And, and now that I'm looking back on it, it's so silly to think. But yeah, and I was like, okay, I need to take that month off. I need to go to India, see my mom. Like I had this whole trip planned and all of that got canceled because of the situation that was happening with work. And so I ended up taking four weeks of short-term disability. And then I took my four weeks of sabbatical. So I had eight weeks off, which is a really nice chunk of time uh, to help, you know, me go through what I was going through and just have some time to just like rest and weep or whatever. Uh, a lot of people don't have that as an option, you know, so you can ask, there's nothing wrong with asking HR, like, Hey, I'm submitting this thing, not doing well. Um, can I work remotely? Like that was a big thing for me being able to not go into the office. And every day I had to go into the office. It was like torture. Um, so whatever you can do at that point, if you're feeling like as bad as I was feeling, whatever you can do to minimize the harm to yourself, um, ask the company, see what they'll offer and then, you know, try to get out, whether it's with a package or just your peace of mind, whatever it is, just try to get out of that situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's helpful too. I think thinking about too, of like, if you can take short-term leave, that's something that most companies are legally required mm -hmm. to offer, right? Yes. Yes, for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's great. And then I think there's Family Medical Leave Act as well. And so I think you could take unpaid time. Um, I'm not an expert on all of those different things and it's very company specific, but there are resources, you know, your company can maybe even offer uh, therapists or other things that, you know, you can actually use resources to kind of get you through that time, depending on the benefits you have. Yeah. I think it kind of all stems back to like, you know, we talked about understanding your needs and um, advocating for what those are, asking for things. We talked about, you know, changing roles within the company. We talked about, you know, taking some time for yourself, like potentially reporting claims or things that are happening to try to get some kind of um, action around that. It's like all of these things feel like ways to it's like, how much value are you giving to the company and how much are you getting back? And like, how can you kind of like even that equation a little bit more 
do work that's 80% of your best mm-hmm. instead of 100 every time because probably your 100% is 140 for someone else. And, you know, all of these things are like, okay, what can you wind back? What do you need right now? Um, what's going to make you feel safe? What's going to help your you energetically? And like, how do you make sure that what you're giving is balanced with what you're getting back? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's really great advice, especially the the 80% part, like don't give all of yourself to one place. You know, it's not your family. It's not your entire life. And the more people can realize that and separate things, um, I think the healthier uh, we'll all be as a, as a culture. So as we kind of wrap up, I feel like we should leave on a hopeful note and with some inspiration for people. I think Um, We're both relatively early in our career pivot moments, but I can say that regardless of quitting and creating your own thing, I think there's just so much better out there for people. And it's just really about understanding, like, what do you need? Not what do other people need? What your best friend tells you you need or your company tells you you need, but like what really looks like a good life, a fulfilled life to you? And like, what are maybe the things that are taking that the farthest off track and maybe start to like surgically approach one by one? What are the things that you want to make changes on and and how do you approach them in really small bites and not try Mm -hmm. to do all of it at once? Yeah, I love that. And it even applies to friendships, right? Like sometimes we outgrow friendships and you just need to move on from them. And it's like, if you can really look at every aspect of your life and see what's draining you versus what is filling you, you can make those tweaks, even in those small ways, like don't hang out with that person that makes you really angry (laughs) and upset. You know, you can do something else instead. You can make a new friend. You know, we all evolve and we change throughout time and it's okay to assess all of those things. Uh, and, and just, as you said, to leave things on a hopeful note for everyone out there that's going through the struggle, just know that there is an awesome community of people that are working every day to leave this world a better place. Like, even if we don't see it in our lifetime, we are working on that because we believe in it. And it's just not just me and you. There are so many amazing people that I've met on my journey that are so selfless and that are so human centric um, and have such amazing values that inspire me. Um, I know that we're working really hard for a better future for all of us. Yeah. And I, I love that. And I think getting, maybe try to get outside of your bubble and see, um, find those people that are expanders are inspiring for you. Go on LinkedIn. There's tons of stuff. It's just like the algorithm might not be serving you those, (laughs) those voices right now, but they're definitely out there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And they are so worth listening to. So yeah, I would say diversify your feed and find, find people that you feel aligned with. And if there's something that a job that you really want to do or some career that you want follow somebody on LinkedIn that's already doing that really well and and see what they're up to. And it could just serve as 
um, such inspiration. Yeah, beautiful. Well, on that note, I think we're going to wrap up and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your story and your experience and your wisdom um, from all of that. I think there was a lot of great things to consider <laughs> throughout this episode. And so maybe it's something that people might want to revisit a couple of times or listen to a section um, later, get out your notebook, pause it and reflect all of those things. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I knew that this was going to be so good. It was kind of like therapeutic to just talk with you. I know you get it. And we're in such a similar situations like in our, in our timeline. And so I, I just hope that it's helpful for people. And I really enjoyed talking about it. It's, we all need to go out there and tell our stories in whatever way we can. Okay. That was a lot, and I hope it was really helpful for you to listen to and reflect and process, where am I, and what type of environment am I in, and what's the short and long-term impact it has on me and my well-being? Should I stay and make things better for myself here, or is it time to go? And this is really hard. I've heard a lot of people lately who are ready to leave their jobs, and I want you to know that you're not alone. And there is something truly great on the other side. And I know that you'll get there. If you're ready to dig deeper on any of the topics that we talked about, I want to offer some resources for you to explore. Check out episode seven with Antonio Garcia, where we dive into values and how to align your career with your values. Antonio also talks about the value of taking breaks in his career and how he's quit his job several times when it wasn't aligned with how he wanted to live. Also in episode two with Takesha Harvey, she quit her job when she got to a point where she really questioned if what she had was what she wanted and recognized that the environment she was in was not a great fit. Also during this episode, I mentioned a previous conversation with a guest about being honest with yourself and coming to terms with your own truth. This was episode eight with Eduardo Placer. You can check out his story in that one. Now, if you're dealing with a toxic workplace situation, work-related trauma, or discrimination, I have two resources for you. First, if you're considering reporting discrimination, Sybil had some really amazing wisdom to share in this episode. And you can also check out Echo Sandy Thomas's story of how He did it, and the unexpected emotional experience that came along with it in episode four. I'm also going to link in the show notes a really great article by Deepa Purushottaman, and it's titled, How to Heal After a Toxic Incident at Work. And this really goes through the process of the stages that you might be experiencing, Even if you're in the midst of one and you're not at the end of it or out of it yet, I think you'll find a lot of helpful information in this article. And to end on a more positive note, there are three books that you can look into if you want to do some soul searching. And this, these would be for, you know, those of you who listened to the episode and said, yeah, I don't love my job, but I don't even know what else I would want to do. Two of these I own myself and one was a recommendation from Sybil. So Sybil's recommendation was Designing Your Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. Again, we'll link that in the show notes. And the two that I have are Find Your Zone of Genius by Laura Garnett and U-Turn by Ashley Stahl. 
We often can name what we're running away from. A lot of the negative things that we discussed in this episode would be things that you're trying to leave behind when you're considering quitting your job. But in my opinion, the best thing that you can do when you quit a job is knowing what you're running toward. All of these books, and there's so many others out there, these are just a couple of them, can help you get clear on your talents and values and get you closer to building a sense of purpose in your career. You've just got to make it a priority to do the work of self-exploration and self-discovery. Thanks so much for listening to Working Your Way. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also check out all of our episodes, show notes, additional resources, and more at selfatwork.com forward slash podcast.